0: ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. I'm Chris Solomon, and back with me for... I've lost track of how many times we've had this guest, but probably my favorite guest only because... mostly because we will just spend most of this podcast laughing. But from CBS, Mr. Kyle Porter himself. Kyle, how was Whistling Straits?
1: Yeah, it's just a giggle fest every time (laughs) we get on here. Uh, (laughs) Whistling Straits was... Man, you know, okay, so that was my second major to go to to cover, um, actually being there, and uh, you know, Chambers Bay was was cool. It, it was um, it was fun. I met a I met a ton of people there. But Whitsunday Straits was awesome. Whitsunday Straits was I, I feel like what Chambers was supposed to be. Yeah. Like in terms of, it was it's it's a really hilly, like kind of difficult terrain to get around. You've got the water right there, but it's just everything's so much prettier. Um, the course was so much less annoying, I guess is the best way to put it in terms of like, everybody loves it. You know, the scores are low. It was just a really fun week. I met Dan Jenkins last week. Oh, that wow. was fun. Um, just, I don't know. I, I loved it. It was my favorite. I think I tweeted this, but it was my favorite week, uh, I think ever in the last three years um of covering golf it, it was a really great time
0: yeah i mean it, it was funny to me how little whistling Straits was talked about both leading up to it and during the week it was like that's how a golf course should be you know a, a tournament should be it's like the whole the whole talk during the u.s open was chambers bay it's like that's not fun to sit and talk about a golf course the entire week like the golf course is the setting right you want to have a good setting for it great views and you want to, that, something that's going to give you a great tournament, and by all means, Whistling Straight lived up to that. I'm biased because I haven't played a lot of these tour courses, but I've played Whistling Straits, and I loved it when I played it. But I mean, it's it just it seems to be like I, I think I tweeted this. It said visually, especially on TV, Whistling is is what Chambers Bay was supposed to be like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I rolled up with. Uh... I saw. I found them at hashtag Chad, um, <laughs> and I was like, "Lake Michigan looks like the Caribbean." Like, it does. Like, Where are we? <laughs> I
0: I used to live in Chicago, and Lake Michigan does not look like that in Chicago at all. I I don't know what they put literally what they put in the water up there. It doesn't. It looks fake. Yeah,
1: uh, I, I was talking to somebody. I think it was Steph Way who said that um, Matt Every convinced his caddy that there was a uh, whale in Lake Michigan. It was. <laughs> it, <laughs> It was that pretty, it was, there was like a huge rock out there, and, and Every convinced his caddy that it was a whale, like, coming up to the surface.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know Matt Every's caddy, but, uh, like, that would be, like, the t- one of the top five guys whose caddy you could convince me I would actually believe that. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Yeah, so, were you really was... busing from Milwaukee? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was brutal. What? Actually, it wasn't that brutal. So, so... We stayed in the, in the uh, at the Hyatt in Milwaukee, which I, you know, I kind of like Milwaukee. I've never been up there. I've also never been to Chicago. I, I would assume it's kind of like a like a uh, like a poor man's Chicago, maybe. But um,
0: <laughs> very poor man's Chicago. But continue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we bust over from Milwaukee. Um, and and the reason that it wasn't bad is because all the buses that we took, I, I sound like I'm like uh, like eighty years old right now, but they all had Wi-Fi. It was it was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and did, were you guys all on the bus together and two? Like you could talk to other riders and whatnot on the on the shuttle.
1: Yeah, I mean the the people that that are uh, veterans, I guess you would say, had rented houses actually
0: closer to Whistler Street. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for for those
1: of us who were not, we were uh, yeah just all on the bus over there and and back, and, and it was it was fine. Like it wasn't. I don't think it was as bad as a lot of people made it out to be.
0: Yeah, well, it's time we talk about it. I mean, it's the moment. Like everyone's been talking about this all over, definitely all over Amsterdam. I'm sure back back home <laughs> in Texas, everyone's talking about it. But honor Bon Lahiri, T five finish <laughs> at the PGA Championship. <laughs> Okay, so true story in the media tent.
1: Oh no! I am sitting next to a uh, a, a, a journalist. He's on my left hand side, and all week I had to do these like video, uh, like 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 basically tape myself on my computer using a video cam. Uh, D- DJ Pi knows about this because. <laughs> He actually had to hold the camera at Chambers Bay because I couldn't find a spot to do it. And so there's this like shaky video of me in the media <laughs> center. Like it's it's unbelievable. But I figured out how to set it up at, at Whistling Straits. And there's this Indian man next to me, this journalist, uh, that finally on the last day started talking to me, he said, Oh, you you know, you're you're very good at this, uh, at making these videos in, in one take and, and just doing it the first time. I was like, bro, I don't even really know what I'm saying here. Like, I'm just like saying a bunch of stuff and you know throwing Tiger's name in there and make a <laughs> video. And I, the conversation, of course, turned to to Anurban, and I asked him about you know, you know, what what, it, what is it with this dude? Like, is he? Uh, he goes, oh, you know, we love we love Anurban. Like, he he's the man. Like, and I was, <laughs> and I was like, where is Solid right now? I need Solid to be talking to this guy. <laughs>
0: I need to have this guy on the podcast, not you.
1: It was it was great. It was one of the highlights of my week.
0: I mean, I I, got, I said I I it on Twitter. I'll admit it live on podcasts. Is like I made I made Lahiri like the poster boy for my like early season rants against the official world golf rankings and just like he got in the Masters. Basically, I thought the. The route that I, the route that I hate by winning he he did win in Malaysia a bigger event, but he won like the hero Indian Open and got like a lot of world golf ranking points for that more than like Henrik Stenson got for finishing t four at the Valspar or something like that, so Lahiri just became this official world golf rankings joke to me and. He's backed up his play. If you're going to finish top five in a major, I got to back off. So I've officially suspended my honor bond. The jokes. Uh, he's he's a legit player. I'll say it, and we'll just we'll move on from this topic forever. Well,
1: uh, hold on. He. So I was following his group on Saturday with uh, him and, and Finau, and that was that was kind of a smoke show off the tee. Yeah, I mean, they were they were they were bombing. And one thing I noticed that I, that I thought I should mention to you is Honor Bond has. Um, so I, I I forgot who his sponsor is, but all over his like Hero. hat, well, he's got, he's got like four or five of them now, but all over, all over his hat and his clothes and his, uh, his yardage book is, it just says Bon, like that's his nickname or something. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like BAA, like, I think he's kind of like an Indian badass. Like I think that, I, I think that people in India, like, I, I mean, I think he's like the the tiger of India, maybe, I don't know.
0: I mean, he's got he's got the track record to back it up that back up that statement. That's for sure. <laughs> he's more competitive than Tiger is these days. That's for sure. That's
1: true. That's true.
0: But all right, so Jason Day wins the PGA Championship by three. I, am I wrong? This might be this. You might want to put out the uh, pull out the fire retardant suit here. <laughs>
1: no, it's it's already off.
0: <laughs> I think it was the best major performance of the year.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's tough to say because I, I don't know. I, I feel like Whistling Straits was probably probably playing the easiest of yeah. the four venues. I, I mean, yes, he had the lowest score of any of the the winners. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I, I think it's between that and and Spieth and Augusta. Yeah,
0: that's like. would be obvious too. But, I mean. Day just put on an absolute stripe show. I mean, not to take away anything from what Spieth did in the Masters, because obviously we know I'm Spieth fanboy, but, like, I forget what it was. Spieth won it basically on Friday. What what was he through two rounds? 12-under, 14-under or something? Yeah, I
1: think he won, like, 64, 66 or something.
0: Something completely ridiculous. It was basically over by Friday afternoon, and he kind of, I mean, held on is a ridiculous thing to say about a guy that won the Masters by five or whatever he won. But... (laughs) Day had Spieth breathing down his neck the entire weekend, and other than laying the sod over that ball on nine, it was Yikes. pretty much unflappable. Like that's when I thought, like, oh god, here we go. Like I didn't want to see Day blow it. I was rooting for Spieth, but I love Jason Day, and I mean the, the shots he was hitting on that back nine, and that moment when he put that ball on in two and on sixteen. And I don't know if you got to see his reaction. You might have been out on the course, but. He just turned and basically did the Vince McMahon strut up the fairway while staring at his at his caddy.
1: Well, the whole, the whole back nine, he was and I wrote this, he literally was like on the on the ladies tee box by the time his drive landed. Like he was he was not even He wasn't picking bag. up the tee. Yeah, you mentioned that on Twitter. He didn't pick up the tee. He wasn't looking at it. He was just, he, he literally would hit it, hold his club out to, to his caddy and just like start basically running after it. Like he like, <laughs> he jogged the like, whole bag down.
0: Like a dog chasing after like a Frisbee in the air. Like, go get it, boy. Go get it. Go get it. It
1: was, it was amazing. But to your point about the scoring, I think there are two things that we're telling. One uh, is Justin, poor Justin Rose, by the way, he, he, said, uh, he said after his round on Sunday that um, he thought 14 under. I, I don't know when he thought this. I think at the beginning of the week he thought 14 under would win it, and that's what he finished. Mm-hmm. And he got beat by six. Six. And then uh, Spieth on Sunday said that on Saturday night he told uh, he told Grower that he thought 68 on Sunday for him would win it. He was too bad going in. He, he thought 68 would get it done. No sir. Uh, and he got and he got smoked. Yeah. And it, I mean it. it re- I just thought that day's performance on Sunday was just sick. I it mean, was the sixty-seven, it, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. People are hyping on the you know, were the majors too easy or whatnot. It's like, for me, it, it looked like the wind was basically pretty much a non-factor. I mean, it was uh, it, not like Whistling Straits is supposed to blow out there. Like it's supposed to be windy, and it really was not that much of a factor. Am I right in saying that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you got both. I mean, you you play these these, uh, majors at these courses like St. Andrews and like Whistling Straits where if it doesn't blow, it is easy. But, I mean, you can't, like, not play them at courses like that just because it might not blow. Like, I I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't really like that it's too easy. I hate
0: it. I hate it. What is wrong with birdies? Like, like, like the alternative to that is making, you know, one of those long par five or like mid, mid mid range par fives like a little bit shorter and making it a par four. Like, how does that make the tournament better? Like, I, I don't, I don't follow that.
1: Yeah, I, I saw this. Um, so I'm a big, you know, Oklahoma State guy. I read the Oklahoma papers, and and there was a column by probably the best sports writer in Oklahoma about how the majors have become too easy. I'm like, what does that even mean? Shut like, up. You're not. You don't, like, compete against the course. It's not like a... uh,
0: This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. Like, (laughs) we just got the greatest major season of my adult lifetime, non-Tiger related. And, no, they're too easy. Like, that's an actual problem.
1: Well, it's like, like, oh, beating Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy and and Dustin Johnson uh, at Whistling Straits is is easy? It was easy. uh,
0: No, it was easy on day. That was really easy.
1: I I just, I don't know. I, I don't get that.
0: Yeah. Well, all right, so I wanna get into DJ in a little bit, but yeah, I had this thought today on Speeth. In that in my all right, he only only won two majors this year. So yeah, I mean there's Hogan won three in one year, Tigers won three in one year. But I would argue that no one's ever been closer to winning the Grand Slam. Let's discount Hogan because when he won three in one year, he couldn't play the PJ Championship. So let's talk modern era. He missed
1: his boat back.
0: He missed his boat back, (laughs) his (laughs) kayak. Um, So in the modern era where you can play all four majors in a year, this is the closest anyone's ever been to doing that. Am I right? I mean, he finished one shot out of the playoff at the – British, and finished solo second at the PGA. When Tiger won three, he was not much of a factor in that in the Masters that year.
1: Yeah, he, he lost by, what was it, five or six or something like that to Vijay?
0: He was like T5, you know, I think, yeah. I, it's, it's interesting because Spieth was far closer at the tournament that he finished
1: T4 in than the one he finished solo second. Right. right? I mean... It didn't really ever f- – I mean, you know, there were a couple moments on Sunday where, where they wavered a little bit, but I don't know. It didn't really ever feel like he, uh, he – that Spieth really had a shot on Sunday. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, I, it, in terms of, like – I mean, it, you're, you're nitpicking at that point because <laughs> Tiger finished fifth. Yeah, like, <laughs>
0: then won like, the remaining three majors. <laughs>
1: But like, yeah, I I think it's a good point. I think in terms of like all four, but I mean, you could say the same thing about like a guy. Like, you don't even have to win any of them. Yeah. Like, if you finish one back, like you know, one shot back in all four majors, you could say that guy was the closest ever. So. In terms of title, it doesn't mean a lot, but I think in terms of, like, uh, yeah, like, just based on the definition of the words, yeah, yeah, I think you're right.
0: We'll call that the Sergio Slam, the guy that finished, like, <laughs> one, one shot back. Yeah. It's the
1: Ustazen Slam. Yeah,
0: seriously, seriously. But, so where do you stand on the whole, I mean, of course, as soon as a guy wins, that people are going to do the whole rivalry or try to classify this era and whatnot. When they, when they when people started thinking, saying this big three thing of Day, McElroy, and Spieth, what was your first reaction, and where do you currently stand? I know it's only been a couple of days, but uh, there's a the reason I'm asking.
1: Yeah, my first reaction was just to be annoyed by it, which is my. I feel like I'm like this old, like bitter sports writer. Like I'm just annoyed by everything right, right
0: now. This is the reason why I exist: is I hate everything. So <laughs> I I hear you.
1: <laughs> but. Uh... I, the more I think about it, the more I think it could possibly be accurate. You know, I, I don't know. We we always overreact to the majors. It's one of the things that that is, I think, somewhat frustrating about mainstream media just kind of dive bombing in on the majors. It's like, well, okay, you know, the Players Championship is a really big deal too. Like, we don't, I don't know. Whatever. We we, we make too much out of. I, I think um, wins generally, but also winning the majors. I know that sounds ludicrous, and we'll get into that later with DJ. But I, I think I think it could be accurate. I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I think I, I, I keep going back to Rory's the the best guy. Like, yes, Spieth had a great year. Uh, Day had a great end, you know, second half of the year, and a, and a really good year overall. Uh, but I don't I don't know. Like, I don't know what you have to have to have a big three. Like, do all three guys have to win? Um, you know, five or more majors like you had with Nicholas Palmer and Gary Player? Do I mean, I, I don't know, like, what the definition of a big three is. Um, and, and generally it annoys me because it, it seems to, like, shut out the celebration of really good golfers like Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka, you know, Hideki Matsuyama, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So I, I think I kind of had the same initial reaction as you did, and then the more I started thinking about it, the more I'm on board with it. And the point I wanted to make or try to make was that we've talked about this in the past about how being close to the top, but not pushing through is painted as a bad thing in golf and in other sports in general. Like think back to like LeBron, how many times he's been, he's lost four times in the finals. Right. And people, people legitimately make the argument like, Oh, Jordan never lost in the finals. Like, the case is shut right there, but Jordan often didn't make the finals on his way up before he I mean once he established himself, obviously, and they won six straight titles when he was on the team, that was that's a different case, but there were many times when he didn't make it to the finals, couldn't get through the Eastern Conference. like sometimes in I feel like in sports we like I don't know what the word is, but like we bring down a guy that is close but doesn't push all the way through. Like, you would almost rather be a non-factor. Like, no one, no one's really, and we'll get into this with DJ, like, no one's really ripping on Kuchar this week for not winning, you know, the PGA. But DJ's been close a bunch of times this year, so now it's like, what this, this whole focus is on this fact that DJ, quote-unquote, can't close or can't finish the deal on a major, which I feel like Day has kind of become a victim of that, too, where, I mean, he's got, what, For seven top tens in majors in the last three years alone? Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's a bounce here or there, and he may have one or more of these titles. And so, like, just being up near the top has made him... People gave me comparisons to Sergio when I said... After the the British, I said, it's only a matter of time before Day wins. Really hot take, I know. But I said, (laughs) like... It's like it, it's almost like it's a bad thing that he's keeps getting near the top and I in my head I'm like thinking like he's going to learn from these experiences and he's going to figure out how to close one of these out and that that finally happened the golf.com headline Dave <laughs> finally gets his major at the age of 27 but I feel like I mean the other factor to think about with Day is he, this is his first really healthy year and we say that and he fell on the ground because of vertigo at the US Open and this is the most healthy he's ever been
1: yeah, a lot of people asked me after I did some some radio stuff <clears throat> on Sunday night and, and Monday, and people said, you know, what keeps him from winning multiple majors? And and my my answer to that was was injuries for sure. I, I mean, he, he's he's a dude like uh, I mean, like your boy uh, Justin Thomas, who just swings out of his shoes every time. And, and and I you know, he's been like you said relatively healthy this year, but it's uh, it's been rough on him in the past. So I, I think that's. Man, that, just watching Tiger—that's one thing that people underrate when it comes to golf—is is keeping your body healthy for 15 or 20 years is is a difficult thing to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're you're right about like about him, you know, being at the at the top and push. I mean, do you do you are you saying that that's like what was your point about the big three then in terms of that?
0: No, I, I think that it's it's a when you factor in how how close he's been in prior majors, which. I know that doesn't count as wins. I'm not saying you know finishing top three four times in three years, whatever he did between 2011 and 2013. I'm not saying that equals a win. Like I know winning majors is is important, but the fact that he's been so close for so long while still battling injuries basically every year of his career, it's like maybe he does belong in the category of Spieth and Rory as far as the most talented players on the currently on the planet and having the potential to win. Three, four, five more of these things. Like, I feel like people say, "Oh, it took him this long to win one." I, I don't. I can't put him in that category. I'm fine with not putting him in that category yet. But I think we might be looking at a clear cut number three player in the world. That's what he's ranked. But I think it might be this top three guys in the world for a long time, as long as they're healthy. Uh,
1: what? What's are we going to have to take this podcast down when when Brooks Kepka rises to number number two in like six months?
0: Well, we won't see it regardless. So I, I hope the official world golf rankings don't go off number of aired television shots because we won't we won't ever see the rise. But I know you work for CBS. I promise I, I was gonna
1: a don't get fired moment for me. Yeah,
0: I, I, I promise I'd bite my tongue. I even thought to myself, I'm like I may have to do like an an inter, like interject the audio in later <laughs> edit edit in part. Where I just go off on CBS and like make a disclaimer that Kyle Porter does not support these claims and does not has no affiliation with this. It might have to be a separate podcast with just myself, but uh, we'll save that for another day. But
1: yeah, no, it's good. All I right, did, I did see the the uh, proof of life parody with uh, with Kepka. Somebody needs to like somebody posted like the, the poster of the proof of life movie. I think somebody needs to do a Photoshop job on, uh, is it Russell Crowe that's in
0: that? I could not tell you that. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one.
1: Yeah. It's like a, I think it's like 10 years old. Somebody needs to do a a Kepka Photoshop job. By the way, I didn't, just because I'm thinking of it right now, I didn't see this because I was out on the course. But when I got back to the media tent and pulled up the bu- uh, Bubba video with the ants, oh my I lost my mind. Oh my it was god! The funniest thing I'd ever seen.
0: Oh my god! I was in the airport in Rome watching it on my phone, like <laughs> with my ear up against my phone, like trying to listen to it. So I'm watching it with my buddy, and I was like, I think he's t- arguing with him about ants right now. And my buddy's like, What? Like, and so we're, we're both leaned up against my phone <laughs> trying to hear this thing and we hear him say something like oh so if you're not so if you're allergic to, to ants you don't care <laughs> it's like literally only person that could happen to is bubba literally the only person so
1: so you're saying they don't burrow calling they're
0: tunneling they're not... <laughs> so i don't know if you remember this at the waste management um last year or two this year or the, a year before I don't remember which one he got away with that ruling. His ball was under a bush and it was near a little hole and he got a free drop out from the side of it. And I I threw up a huge stink at the time. I'm like the guy that's that's taking advantage of the rules. That's not playing by the rules. And he tried to do it again and this PGA official would just not let him have it. <laughs> and then he sarcastically, "Thanks a lot. Thanks for your help." It's like, literally, the guy did his job. You asked him for a ruling.
1: The best part was every, like, ten seconds, he'd look over at, at Ted Scott, and Ted would just be like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're burrowing. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Dude, what's Ted going to do? <laughs> Ted's praying for his own life at that point. Uh, it was great. Oh, and by the way, Bubba made birdie on that hole.
1: Yeah, of course. Of
0: course. Bubba. All right, I'm ready. I'm handing you the blowtorch, and... <laughs> a wild brush field and I want you to lay waste to the whole thing because you specifically asked me for the microphone for your DJ take so I'm ready I got my fireman outfit on and I got the hose over here if I need to put it out but (laughs) set it ablaze you know I don't even know I don't even know where to
1: begin with with any of this DJ stuff because people like you know people say oh you can't close he's a choker can't get it done well he's got it done nine times on the PGA tour that's more than Bubba Watson. That's just a couple fewer than Rory McIlroy. He's 31 years old. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's like Ken Duke out there like rolling around till he's 45. Ken Duke. Ken Duke. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. But <laughs> it's just it, it's annoying because people don't even understand what they're saying when they say that he chokes. Like people don't proper. I mean, they don't even define like like what they're what they're even talking about and. It, you know just because they see like a 10 second clip of, of him three putting on these greens for you like you'd be better off putting underwater it's easier to putt straight underwater than on these greens it's like oh well you know dj is and it's like you said earlier like he gets punished because because he's good and puts him and hits a 350 yard drive and then 240 yard three wood to 15 feet he gets punished because of that like i, I it, it, it's i don't know it, it annoys me and and I mean, if you want to make the argument, then make the argument that he hasn't three-putted all year um, on the PGA Tour from 15 feet and in and, and whatever. But like, people just like, like these easy, lazy narratives, and it, it just – I don't know. It annoys me because DJ's a really good player. And, and I don't know. It's just I don't know. It's frustrating. I don't even know
0: why I'm why I'm so upset about it. I got. I'm getting pretty upset with it too because I, Tron. You know this. Tron is a huge DJ fan. He's been. He's basically predicted he was going to win two majors this year, which <laughs> it was a really good prediction. It was because DJ kind of. I mean, he was he was close to winning a couple majors this year. But what I I was making this point to Kevin Van Valkenburg on Twitter the other day. It's like in sports we put so much emphasis on what happens at the very end because yes. we get in, in our head that that is when it's decided, right? When in actuality, it's the sum of all parts. I know, like, so if you re- have you ever read Mark Brody's book, Every Shot Counts?
1: No, I've been needing to pick it up. You wow.
0: really should. It's a really easy read. It's a very quick read. But he just makes the – I never thought of it from this perspective until I read the book. It's like when you miss a six-foot par putt, you are upset with yourself, and you're like, damn it, like a six-footer, I, I should make that. Like, that's my putter's fault. Like, I, I'm better than that. Like, I, I, I just can't putt. When, if you think back to it, where you hit, you know, a drive slightly in the rough, you had a bad angle to the green, you hit it in the green side bunker, you had a good bunker shot to six feet, and you missed the putt, you're like, damn it, it's my putter's fault. In actuality, if you'd have hit the fairway and hit it in the middle of the green to 20 feet, you probably leave yourself a tap-in for par, but you don't think about that. You're, you, you don't think about the sum of what got you there. You think about the missed putt you made. Yeah. And in actuality, there's not, many, there's not a large differentiating factor on the greens. I mean, obviously, there's good putters and bad putters, but the larger difference is made up from tee to green. The yeah. same way that the first 71 holes of a tournament are way more important than just the final hole. It's the same exact way. It's the sum of all parts. Like It just has so happened that DJ's been close on the 18th hole at Whistling Straits, at Chambers Bay, and it just didn't go his way. If DJ three-putts the first hole of the week, you know, from 15 feet, no one says a word. But because it happened at the end, everyone thinks he's a choker. And... Uh, Yeah, there is some element It's different to play a 72nd hole under pressure than rather than playing the first hole of the tournament. I'm I'm not saying – that's obvious. But, like, all of a sudden – like, I don't know. People just emphasize this final round thing or or lack of ability to close, and it just frustrates me. The same same goes for any other player. But it's like – it's not – the whole choker narrative, it's – I don't know. I'd like to hear how you want – you define a choker. Because for me, like, the – choking is Vandevelding or Scott Hoking or Doug Sanders, who somebody who's got it won and and completely gives it away. Like succumbs clearly succumbs to the pressure, right? Like, I can't say that any that DJ really feels real pressure, you know?
1: Yeah, I I think that choking should and, and this is where I get annoyed, because nobody if you make a nuanced like well-efforted point about somebody being a choker or like not being able to perform under pressure then i'll listen to it of course because it's well reasoned yeah. and it's thought out but if you can back
0: it up just, with like, data if you can back it up with data too yeah, i'll listen just, to that just like yeah. picks
1: these like pressure points that's like you don't even like you don't even know what you're talking about like, you don't you don't understand the way dj plays. you don't you just go away like you don't understand yeah. this but i to me like choking is doing something wildly different under pressure that that you normally wouldn't do. So if Vanderbilt plays the 18th hole at the British Open uh, a thousand times, he makes an average of 4.3 for his score or whatever. I can't remember. Was it a par 5 or a par 4? par 4, four yeah. Even, okay, so he makes an average of... of and th- and th- this is the other thing about the whole, like, Spieth choking at the British Open thing. Like, mm. he, he played the last, what was it, three holes in... Even. 12, yeah. yeah, even par, 12 strokes. Like, that that's not different than what he would have done normally. Like, right. that's, like, an average thing. But we, like, like you said, we put so much emphasis on it because it's at the very end of a tournament that it's, like... I mean, I don't know. I I feel like the biggest example we've had of choking this year, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the piece on the...
0: 17, Chambers Bay. Exactly. made
1: a double bogey. That would never happen. I mean, that like...
0: Totally agree. I even said that. The piece you're talking about is Luke Kernanin's piece for uh, uh, for the win about, you know, it had the title, Jordan Spieth chokes the British Open. I think that was posted before the playoff was even over. And... uh, and I made that exact same point to him. I said I would argue that Spieth choked way harder in the US Open than he did at the British Open. He just had an extra hole afterward to recover from. And uh, he ran out of holes at the British and I mean I told I accused him of of using selective endpoints and endpoints as well by starting his narrative with the seventeenth hole, bogeying the seventeenth and then not birdieing the eighteenth. It's like, well yeah, the guy made a forty five footer on sixteen to even put him in the mix. Like, if he doesn't make that putt, you don't think much about his bogey on seventeen. Like There's a difference between choking and, I don't even like using this word, but failing. Like, the game of golf is about failure. Like, Spieth, technically, by his standards and by ours, failed coming in on 17 and 18. I'm fine with somebody saying that. I just, I hate the word choke. I think it's, a a like you said, a lazy, lazy narrative. And it just, once you label someone that, it's like a label that doesn't really go away. I don't know why I care about what people say this much, but like, and I've never been uh, like the one to really care or defend DJ this much, but it's just, it just starting to wear on me. This whole year, it's yeah. just starting to wear on me.
1: By the way, before I forget this, uh, in his pre-tournament press conference, uh, Rory said that he watched the last nine holes of the British Open, but didn't, didn't watch, watch the, the, the playoff. playoff. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, well, yeah, same as all of us. Yeah, okay.
0: exactly. But uh...
1: I just in terms of DJ, like, I I think I just get frustrated when people um, just pick like the hottest take. And this is by the way, this is not a shot at Luke. Like we met at the PGA. He's great, dude. Like we had a lot of fun together. But when people pick the hottest take narrative possible and, and they don't like if you back up your reasoning with the fact that DJ had not putted from 15 feet or in all Year, then okay. I'll listen to your point more so than if you just say DJ's a choker because he three putted. Like you don't even know what you don't even know what you're saying. Like it just, okay. I don't know. It just frustrates me.
0: No, I understand. I, I feel the same way. I mean, Luke Luke does not. I think he even admits that he would do that piece differently, if not over again. Um, and uh, he owned. I mean, we had we had a, a private conversation about it. He owned up to it, and we. I mean, I told him I just thought he's better than that. I thought it was. I I, I, I think that. I told him what he, what he wrote was complete crap, and I, I disagree with it. And I do know he's better than that, but <laughs> um, it's also a sensitive subject. If you come after Speed, I'm going to be, I'm, I'll get on the defensive real quick. But
1: I know. I get that way with Speed and Rory.
0: I get that way with 33% of the PGA Tour at this point. But, um, by I tra- the
1: way, I, I talked to, or I, I saw Justin. Uh, can we just call him Justin? Yeah. Or are we going
0: with Jordan Speed's best friend? That's Jordan Speed's good buddy, Justin Thomas. <laughs> Hashtag JSGB.
1: I saw him at the, him at the PGA. Uh, Shook his hand, said hi. Uh, it was a good moment. He wasn't. He, 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 I couldn't tell. I don't think he was wearing his no line up shirt underneath his uh, his what?
0: polo on, it's over. on Sunday. It's over. I don't know.
1: I don't know what the deal was. <laughs> um,
0: uh, but okay, I tried. I tried to get into this on Twitter, and it was. I realized it was the wrong medium for it, and I may or may not have been under the influence of several beverages as well when I, made, when I when i posted this but so like it was all week it was like a theme of sports writers kind of jokingly or i felt like they were making fun of dj by the by them posting these simple quotes he was giving them like i thought this was a fantastic answer actually when they asked him how often do you think about what happened at whistling straits and his answer was about as often as i'm asked about it like you guys keep asking about this. Like I don't give a shit about your narratives. I just, <laughs> I just don't. Like I, that's why I truly think that like DJ is on an elite level on the mental side of the game. And this is that this is how this is about to get flaming. I'm, wow, I'm warning you.
1: That that was already.
0: <laughs> listen, but listen to what how I get there. A lot of people think DJ is really not intelligent. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm willing to accept that. And I in general. Kind of, I believe that as well. But, like I said, I don't know that. I do think that DJ's mind, when it comes to golf, is so brilliantly simple that that's what makes him as great as he is. Like... We're talking about the most mental game ever, like the most mental game I've ever played. I mean, I'm sure there's some statistic that prove me wrong that's not the most mental game ever. But the mental aspect of this game, so many people overthink it, right? I mean, so many people are making swing change, fixing this, blah, 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 sports psychologist, blah, blah, blah. Whereas DJ maybe doesn't have that much going on in his head. And definitely when it comes to golf, I don't think has much going on in his head other than seeing the ball, hitting the ball and doing it. Why isn't that like the perfect formula for golf? Like, isn't he? I think he, he's almost so blindly dumb that it works out perfectly for him in golf.
1: Well, I, I think your last point is is the correct one in that you you have to uh, you you have to act or you have to think the way that best suits your game. So that wouldn't work for Jordan Spieth if he just went out there and like was his mind was just empty all the time he wouldn't be as good as he is because that is what yeah. works for him. Yeah. Like, for DJ, he's so talented that, that what works for him is just emptying his mind and letting his talent take over. Now, you could argue that he needs, um, and I think he's actually gotten a better team around him in terms of um, swing coach and, and um, you know, just people around him to put him in positions to be successful. Um, but, but for, I mean, yes, you are correct that, if DJ went out there and, like, started trying to analyze courses, it would go very, very badly for him. Like, he he needs to uh, perform the way that they, he's been created to perform. Like, I think that's correct. And, you know... I, I i i don't know if he's unintelligent either he doesn't come across as you know like he is a road scholar or anything but like i i just i just think the main point is that dudes should just stay in their lane do what they do and and you know at the end of the week if you're the winner then you're the winner and if not then you know we we saw this with like luke donald i mean people people think about this in terms of um, physical things. They don't think about it in terms of mental things. Luke Donald goes out and like tries to change his swing to get more distance. It's like, bro, that's not who you it's are. You. Like, just yeah. just be who you are. And if that's good enough, then so be it. But you're not gonna you're not gonna suddenly you know jump up several standard deviations just by trying to like change all these different things.
0: Standard deviations. Damn, we are getting we are nerding it up. I love this. <laughs> I love it. But no, I think that like. I think I I've, I've kind of made my point with the whole DJ thing, but it's like you can't expect the, the 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 golfers don't owe you anything media like to the media. Like they they just DJ's just one guy that just really doesn't care what you think about him. He doesn't try to put on a show. No one will ever accuse him of being fake. I think like he just gives honest answers when he's like I'm just chilling. Like he is literally just chilling out there. Like he like if there's anyone that can handle all these things that have happened to him, it's DJ, right?
1: I think so. I got asked that after the U.S. Open. It's like, oh, is his career over? I was like, I don't really like. He's probably like doesn't care. Like, I don't think he's thought about it really. <laughs> like, and, and yeah. I mean, I think that's just. I don't know. It's I, I don't know. Like, pe- I, like, are people gonna feel silly like when DJ wins a major?
0: No, I think it 'll be like oh fine like that 'll be the narrative thing it 's like he finally broke through like he conquered his demons and you know put his past behind him and stopped partying and stopped sleeping with other players wives allegedly um, oh. but yeah, well, too too soon too soon um, oh your 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 reaction caught me off guard, and now I forget where I was going with that train of thought but <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh here 's what I was going to say, so we 've been. I've, I think you and I have talked about this before in the past, about how, like, think of a team sport and how fans take it more seriously than the players sometimes. Like, players, like, sometimes. they, they uh, in certain case, like, so somebody like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady probably cares an awful lot about the outcome of a game. But, like, think about, like, a defensive back, like a, the nickel back for the Patriots. Like, shout out to Nickelback, by the way. But anyways, like... <laughs> Like, if they lose a game, you tell me he's not going to go out and go drink it and go live it up. Like, how much can he really care about losing a game? Could this kind of be the case with DJ, too, is, like, when he, quote, unquote, loses, that we care or we react way more than just he cares about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, I think that's generally the truth about most professional athletes. Like, think about it. Like, you don't, like, if I work for, like, FedEx, Shout out to
0: FedEx. Let's go. FedEx. I can't wait for this one.
1: Synergy with the FedEx Cup coming up. Sponsored. going work on cbssports.com.
0: Sponsored. Sponsored by... This podcast is sponsored by FedEx. If,
1: if, if I work for FedEx and, like, and like I, I, you know, deliver all my packages on a Thursday, just, this is going downhill. Like, I don't care if FedEx, like... Like, what their margins are for the third
0: quarter of 2015. <laughs> you know, like, I just, like, I just want to. This I might be, this, give... this is the best bad analogy I've ever heard,
1: by the way. No, I just, I just seriously, though, like, I just want a promotion and I want to make more money. I'm going to get I, a. I, th- I think that that's what, like, professional athletes like. And, and the the dude that writes the, um, the Secret Tour Pro thing for uh, Golf Digest, not to be confused with the guy that's on Twitter, but, like, the Golf Digest column. He was like, the the kind of dirty little secret out here is that people don't really care about winning tournaments. They want to make a ton of money. Yeah. Like, that's that's why they play golf. There's there's a handful that, you know, sort of can. I, I mean, we've seen this with Rory, right? Like, Rory did a press conference before the U.S. Open at Whistling Straits previewing the PGA Championship, and he was talking about 2014, and, and he was talking about he was in his final round in the last group with with Weisberger, and he was like, "I didn't really feel motivated." Like, so he's like, like, I had to. He's like, I had to talk myself into the fact that this was a major and I was leading, and that I needed to like get more jacked up than I was." And I was like, "That's such an honest thing because like no, like we project the fact that these dudes like should be on a hundred percent of the time, and 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 forget that they're humans that sometimes don't feel motivated. Sometimes they just want to make more money. Like I, I think that we forget that a lot of times."
0: That, that makes his the way he played in on the 18. make a lot more sense after that quote too. It was just like he was basically trying to squeeze in as many holes as possible before dark, like the same way I do. Like, like oh, we can finish 18. We can play this in the dark. Like he didn't care whether or not he won the major. He just wanted to be done that night. Like it was. I, I don't know if I play that 18th hole in that much in that much light. Like it was so absurd. Hey Phil, you care? if
1: Can, can we get this in? Like, no, you
0: can't. But you've already hit, so come on up, you young prick. <laughs> By the
1: way, Phil uh, waving to the boat. Oh my god. That rank on all time. Oh my I god! Mean, doesn't we, that have to lead the Tour Sauce Part Five? Song? I, I,
0: I mean, I think that will never be replicated, right? I mean, like that's truly, truly historic moment. Like I don't think that can ever happen again. I'm trying to think of a scenario where it could.
1: It was so casual, too. I was—I I told you I was walking with yeah. him at the time, and just the way he did it was like, "Oh, hey, hey, both
0: guys, how you, how are we doing?" That's not even the most ridiculous thing he did all week. He slid down a hill on his ass, like.
1: That was him ejecting from intention, uh, <laughs> by the way.
0: <laughs> Phil ejected. So, so we've gone uh, like almost forty minutes now, and we've like barely mentioned Brooks, even just in passing, really.
1: Uh, he's favored this week. Did
0: you know? That? I knew. I saw that fourteen to one. I, was what I saw. Like, is this the actual arrival? Is this? Is this it? He, he went. It. He went out in forty. Can we talk about that too? And almost, yeah. he, he could have won the PGA.
1: Yeah, I mean, he put has been he, three top ten. By the way, people going back to DJ real quick. People like don't think that three top tens in, in four majors is impressive.
0: Oh, it's not the, it's about winning, Kyle. Come I'm on. I like
1: uh, okay, whatever. Anyway, uh Brooks has three top 10s in the majors in the last 2 years.
0: Three top 10s? What's the what's I know he was T4 at the Open at the US Open last year. What's the other one?
1: Uh, I don't remember. Maybe maybe the Masters. Oh, this, this year, year,
0: this year at the Open Championship, the British Open, he's finished T10. Oh, uh,
1: okay. Wow. So um, yeah. You, so-
0: it, it's been pretty quiet. Even like I don't even I who's like kind of borderline worship like kind of creepily <laughs> Like didn't realize like his last several results T five obviously at the PGA T six at Bridgestone T eighteen at the uh, at Canadian Open where he shot a final round seventy four T ten at the Open Championship T eighteen at the U S Open T three at the St Jude Classic he hasn't finished outside the top eighteen since early June
1: yeah it's pretty pretty solid uh, by the way. First of all, you were you were uh, on point on on Sunday at the PGA on Twitter. But I think your best tweet of the last week was was about uh, Hideki and Tiger learning from the greatest ever at the window this week.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're just four. They got to be. They're just hashtag blast. That's what Tiger should have tweeted when he found out he was paired with Brooks Kepka this week.
1: I walked with I walked with Brooks and uh I might have told you this too, but I walked with Brooks and Rory on uh, Saturday when they were paired together because like I was gonna miss that. Uh, yeah. And it it was just it was a joke. I mean.
0: I don't know if you whole, saw I don't know if you saw my tweet on that, but I just put a picture up of a sock on it the sock on the door.
1: I did see that. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it, it really like seriously that it was it was incredible to watch. It was really fun. Um, they seemed like I mean they're like friends and they were they were just kind of chatting and it was just it was cool to see two dudes who are so good at golf. Yeah, uh, play together and and Brooks played you know, obviously really well in the weekend.
0: Yeah, and Justin Thomas too, man. I mean, I I, don't, I think he still finished inside the top ten. He had a rough finish on Sunday, but. I mean it's it's happening. It's it's been happening all year and it's still it's still happening. I, I, I have a feeling that Thomas is going to make some major noise in the FedEx Cup playoffs. I think he I think he's going to win a FedEx Cup event. Put it on the board right there.
1: Uh, do you think that he will pose with his shirt on or off after the after the 2016 <laughs> Ryder Cup when he, when he goes 4 and 1 against the Europe?
0: He's going to show his no laying up tattoo he has across his chest. I'm pretty sure the no is in green just like our t-shirts though
1: i'm already excited like i i'm begging my my uh, editor and my boss to go to to hazeltine next year oh you have to you have to i, I what
0: you're I, not going to korea
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're not going to the president's cup
1: actually i haven't told you this but i uh they contracted you out to cover that for cbs so but
0: you're, please you're no please right. no I do not agree to that. I it actually is starting to shape up like it might be kind of an interesting little event that no one's gonna watch or hear about, but it might actually why does Phil wanna go, by the way?
1: I I I he probably just like doesn't want to take his kids to school for a week. I don't know.
0: <laughs> he can't like he he can't go, right? They can't send him, right?
1: Uh, it would be. We would need to get some, uh, like a foreign diplomat involved. I think to.
0: I already. I bought a pitchfork just to have ready for when they they <laughs> uh, inevitably screw up these captain picks because I'm oh, I'm already I'm already mad and they haven't even made the selections yet. Because... You're
1: not excited about Bill Haas and, and uh, the Scrubber going
0: over to, to Korea. <laughs> because I'm gonna be. There's only let's say for some reason. That Streb doesn't get inside the top ten, which I think he will, with Kirk's injury, and uh, it just seems natural. I mean, obviously somebody could leave Pralgen, but uh, if if Streb falls out, and there's only two captains' picks, so and uh, if Streb, Horschel, and Kepka are not, uh, if they decide between those, no matter what they decide, I'm gonna be upset. Like I'm, I'm I'm (laughs) just saying that right now. If they don't kick one person off the team and put those three on, I'm gonna be really upset.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I've already said if Fosha not involved in the in at team next year, that I'm not going to cover the
0: I'm event. Out. I'm out. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm I don't know. I, I I was looking at the international. Adam Sarson wrote a little thing about shaping up the teams at this point, and like,
1: yeah, it was it was great. I enjoyed I'm,
0: reading it. I'm kind of afraid to say this, but I'm kind of starting to get interested in this in this event.
1: In the president's cup. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be cool because you've got. Um, by the way, do we know what kind of putter Adam Scott has to use?
0: Um, i was just trying to think of a funny joke. I don't have one, but he he has to use. He can use the long one. It doesn't happen until January one, twenty sixteen. But
1: I didn't know if it was like the different rules in Korea or something. But yeah, the uh, I mean between like, I mean Lahiri is probably going to go what four and one, five and zero, maybe. Like,
0: can you? I already heard a lot of stuff on Lahiri this weekend, which is fine. I deserve that. Can you imagine if he starts, like, stabbing U.S. players in the heart? Like, if he takes Patrick <laughs> Reed down, can you imagine what my Twitter mentions are going to look like? All six what people he, that are watching it are going to be tweeting at me.
1: What if he, like, just goes, like, 7-6 and six against Brooks and just starts flexing
0: on the course? Just, he just aims his Brooks out of the course? <laughs> well, I, I kind of like the President's <laughs> Cup because they just play so many matches. That's usually why it's never close, but, like, they play – it's four days – and two of the days are 36 holes. Like, it's just and, – and it's ten matches – it's ten players out there instead of eight at a time. It's like – it's too much golf almost.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot. Less is, less is more in in that case. Are we going to talk about Tiger, by the way? I've got so many takes.
0: You got some? I'm out. I'm tapped out on Tiger.
1: Well, just the whole – I mean, I looked back. So, like, you know, you mentioned earlier that you had had a few uh, beverages before you tweeted about DJ. Allegedly. And – I looked back at what I said about Tiger on Twitter on, like, Saturday night, and it felt like I had had a few beverages, <laughs> even though I, I had not at all. And I just, like, lost my mind. I don't know what happened. I, like, snapped or something. It was, it was, uh...
0: What night was this?
1: It was Saturday night after he missed the cut.
0: Okay. Because I think I read it when I was on several beverages as well, so I don't fully remember the rant, but... Yeah.
1: No, it was, uh, it was fire. I mean, it was something
0: Oh, I remember waking up. I think I tweeted a picture of just a, a field laid waste of fire because that was my reaction to waking up and reading that.
1: <laughs> I, I just, it's, it's a charade. Like, I think I'm going to write this column, but the whole thing is a freaking charade because we roll Tiger into these press conferences and, like, expect him to, like, say, I don't know what we expect him to say. Like, just want to get better shot by shot, like that's what he says every time, and then we throw him into feature group coverage and he shoots a 75, well we've got you know, is shooting a sixty-eight, and and Justin, you know, Finau—all these guys that people actually want to see. And and, and the, the part, I'm not annoyed at the media. Like, I understand why the media does that. I do it. Like, I I admitted that. You, that was your favorite part, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Now this is all coming back full scope to me. What did you said? Like, yeah, I do it. Sex sells. Like,
1: even bad sex.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's what I said. But it's true. Like I don't. I don't necessarily blame the media. I I think the whole thing is just like, the the general public is. It, it's it's just I hate it because they're so in, attuned to Tiger. Even though, like we just need just let him go away and like yeah. just work on his game, shoot his seventy fours. Maybe he gets better. Maybe not. But like I just hate that we just keep rolling him out there as like this sideshow to the main event every week it's just it, it, the whole thing is just stupid
0: that's exactly what it is it's a sideshow but I'm actually pretty pumped he's playing this week it's like and you I think you, you referenced it uh, Tron and uh, Phil wrote this in our, in our preview this week just about how he should just go play the web.com tour of playoffs like how how awesome would that be <laughs> like he reps baby get he, some reps
1: in
0: I think I even made this point like way back in 2011 back when he was in his in his big slump like He's above no event at this point. You are not above the John Deere classic at this point, Tiger.
1: No. You don't roll into the Wyndham trying to sneak into the playoffs and, and you're and you're yeah, you're I mean, the Barbasol is in play. Barbasol
0: <laughs> But I mean like I don't get I don't get what he's going after this week. Like I I need reps. It's like you're shutting it down till December after this tournament. Like, what? Did, what are these reps for? Like, really? Well,
1: no, he, he's playing the uh, he's playing the Fries dot com. Is he? Yeah.
0: Okay, so that's I think, what I um,
1: think. Uh, I think Rory might be too. There was some agreement. I don't know. It was. It had to do with them going overseas and paying back something, owing basically owing the Fries dot com something. So I think they're both playing it this he year. He
0: played it a couple years ago too, if I remember right. He did. did. he? I think yeah, What when's the fries.com? Is it about thirty seconds after the end of the twenty fifteen season? <laughs> oh. Look,
1: I don't think I don't think Horschel had time to get to his tea time last year.
0: <laughs> they were handing out the trophy for the fries.com as Horschel was still counting his money.
1: <laughs> no, I you know, I, I don't know. He talked about how like he's still got a lot left to do in twenty fifteen. I'm like like your daughter has a busy soccer schedule this fall or what? Like he's talking about like playing globally. Apparently him and Kucher were supposed to go down to Argentina last year or something, which sounds weird and kind of shady, but like, I, I don't know. I, he's whatever. I
0: forget. I, I'm so like, you just reminded me that we're about to be in golf silly season. Then it's like the worst, the worst time of year. It's the reason why like, I feel like the winter is my favorite time of year for golf like January through March. It's, like, the best. It's cold outside. I don't want to play golf. I'm never outside. I just want to watch golf. And I, we get so excited in that offseason because it's so terrible.
1: Yeah, and then we remember that the U.S. Open's still, like, nine months away. Yeah. In January. And
0: then, yeah, exactly. And then we get major wow. season. It's, like, hard to get up for the small events in between. I'm also... Yeah,
1: great. and, like, next year, the, the the start of the U.S. Open and the end of the PGA Championship are 45 days apart. It's
0: absurd. They have to be, like, you can't tell me the PGA... Well, they don't want to go up against football, I guess, but, like... The PGA Championship in like February? How awesome would that be?
1: Oh, I've, I made the case the global the global schedule. The global tour would be it, it would be hard because like people don't care about tennis and that's what tennis does. But I don't know, I, I, you people like you and I would love it. Of course, that I mean,
0: still no, going from July to February would be way too long of a time. Anyways, like it's yeah, gonna be it's gonna true. be. I mean, it is what it is. It's not changing. There's no point in us rehashing it we'll we'll we'll, let's we'll we'll brainstorm on this come back with a better than a half-baked idea and we'll solve this yeah for sure so all right man that's enough we've we've uh we once we've gone full tiger playing the web.com tour finals (laughs) i think uh i think we're set so but uh yeah time to get pumped for the playoffs the wind on this week and um yeah well i'm sure we'll do it I don't. This president's Cup's probably not podcast worthy. But if something interesting happens, yeah, I'm sure you'll be back before we know it. So,
1: well, we'll need to have a podcast to discuss what Patrick Reed's going to do with his ten million dollar FedEx Cup. Promise. Oh,
0: that's your call. All right, all right. And if Lahiri if Lahiri goes off in the president president's cup, I will do. We'll do another podcast. How about that?
1: we might need to like bring uh my my indian journalist friend in and, and have a translator and, and do something there
0: i mean i think you i should if all right here's the deal if he if the like, goes off and the internationals win i will have that guy on the podcast
1: He's a great dude. I, I loved him. He, he was a good guy. And I'll, uh, yeah, I'll hook you
0: guys up. I'll just let him just rail on me. Just go, <laughs> just go absolutely off on me.
1: I can promise you he won't, do, he that. He
0: won't was, do that.
1: He was literally the nicest person I've ever met in my life. It was, it was unbelievable. He, I I told him that I thought Dave was going to win on Sunday. And he said, well I do not think you're right but I really really hope that you are and, <laughs> and we got in from the course after day one and he goes you were right my friend <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: awesome that's awesome it was great it so. was
1: great
0: alright man well thanks a lot for coming on again and uh, we'll talk to you again soon
1: ok we'll talk to you later see ya
0: buddy Bye. be the right club be the right club today yes
1: Honey, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.